podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a view from the bridge, the official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Monday, the fourth of June, two thousand and eighteen. My name's Patrick Smith. Yep, it's the we've it's been a couple of months actually. We usually do one. We did tend to do one a month, but this time we take a bit of an extended break and let let things develop before we pull a pull the team back together to have a chat. We've got. Loads to go over because it's been quite an eventful few months, not just for the Belfast Giants, but right across the Elite League. We'll, uh, we don't really have a structure to this. We're just going to ramble ahead and see how many topics we can cover. But first of all, I'll introduce who we have in the panel as normal. Our good friend, Mr. May Jemsey, how are you? Good evening, Patrick. I have to be honest, when you say there's been a couple of months, it doesn't feel like it. It's, it's flowing in. Absolutely. But here we are, back talking about ho- hockey in the middle of, well, start of June. Well, you know, the Stanley Cup's still going on, mate. You know, hockey hockey never sleeps. Stanley Cup finished for me about... That's very true. What, way on about October? October, <laughs> November <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. But there may be, uh, may be a bit of chat about the Detroit Red Wings later in the show. Um, yeah, I know a bit of news came up regarding that, but we'll see where we get to that. Also, Mr. Kitchen, how are you? I'm absolutely magic, Patrick and David. Good to hear from you both of you. You keeping well? Yeah, all good, man. All what good. You, what, any fun this summer? What are you up to? Played a bit of golf. Um, Jasmine's got me absolutely skint. Uh, <laughs> no Vegas holiday this year. A um, couple of other things popped up, and I've got uh, August away for Portugal, August for um, 10 days, so I'm looking forward to that. You know what? That surprised me. Of all years for you not to have a Vegas holiday, this year is the year you decide nope. not to have a Vegas holiday. This year. Honestly, I'm sitting watching the rerun from the uh, Saturday night's game. I'm going to stay up at night and watch it. I was talking to Mark Kane, who uh, I go to Vegas with, and honest to God, it was two years ago we were there. Two years ago today we were there. Uh, three years ago today we were there. But I can't believe we're not there at the minute. And no. to be honest, I couldn't afford it. Just, I mean, oh, watching phenomenal, some of the, phenomenal prices. What the tickets are going for, like so. But uh, it would have been good to, to be there and experience the the uh, you know the outside and obviously just watching the game from the. The big plaza outside the uh, arena. It's been a been a hell of a series for the watch as well. But uh, but yeah, no, you surprised me. I thought you'd, uh, you'd at least have got there. But no, um, <laughs> and finally we've a fourth member to the panel, and uh, well, it's no surprise. Well, sorry, it's no stranger to a view from the bridge and a guy you're probably going to hear a lot more from on this show as he as he joins the team. He'll be doing interviews and coming on and doing whatnot. It's Mister Joel Neil Harry, sir. Good evening, boys. It's nice to hear your voice. It's a bit of normality restored to hear you again. <laughs> How are you keeping it? Yeah, doing good. Uh, you know, I'm I'm usually the one that's uh, acting hard on Twitter, going, "Everybody, go out and have a summer. Hockey's going to be there when you get back." But it's been an exciting off season so far. I'm sitting scrolling Twitter, like excited. Let's, let's build some squads. Let's do some admin. <laughs> and you're and you're and, and and you're sitting there, big and warm with the fan going in the window. I honestly, the, the window's open over my shoulder right now. Samson and Goliath are wheeling at me. It's a beautiful summer night in Belfast. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, guys, 
what we're going to do is this time last year, the Belfast Giants were kind enough to let us announce, announce the signing of Kevin Rain. And, um, well, we've decided that we're just going to steal their thunder and going to do one once again. I'm going to hand it over to you, Mr. Majemsey. Oh, thank you very much, Patrick. Um, I suppose, well, we'll go with the theme of Kevin Rain. We're signing a, a big, a big D man, 6'4", 210. Uh, but this guy's of British origin. Um, he's been about all the conferences. I think he played in the Gardner for Dundee. He sort of went the, Went the Panthers in, in the Orhart for a little while. Obviously played in the pattern with Manchester. And now he's a Belfast giant. And uh, Paddy began speaking to Paul Swindlehurst by asking him why did he swap East Cheshire for East Belfast? Uh, I spoke to, through GB, I spoke to Kiefer, uh over the GB uh, period. And everything that he was saying was uh, the right things for me. And uh, this next season, I wanted a bit of a change. I wanted uh, a new scenery and I wanted a challenge playing playing against, uh, well, the way that it was, playing against the conferences and stuff. But I also want to play with uh, just a new environment, really. That's the thing. And the way that Keith was speaking, Keith was speaking to me, uh, it, it really wanted to work with me and help my game. And everything that I've heard about Kiefer from other guys that I've spoken to says he wants to do that. He helps, he helps young guys. And that was the main thing. I want to build my game and I want to improve. And that's the, that's the end goal. I want to become the best player that I can possibly be. And through Kiefer and Belfast Giants, I think that's possible. I'll come back to the GB aspect of it in a second. You've just come after, what is it, two, two and a bit seasons, I suppose, with the Manchester Storm and quite a successful one last season. Yeah, definitely. I've loved my time in Manchester, but uh, the way that things have gone, it's time to move on. And uh, as it, and I can't say I can't give any more credit to Manchester Storm for what they've given me over the past two and a half seasons. Uh, I've absolutely loved playing in front of a home crowd, and especially the the to play for the team that I grew up playing for. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'd just mm-hmm. like to say thank you to all them. As you say, you know, you started right back, you know, under sixteen level. The Manchester Phoenix playing out of there, playing out of that, playing out of that rink, and and going through Sheffield system, and then over to America, coming back through Swindon Wildcats. You've got that sort of development that a lot of British players is. Do you think that the British game is developing a great deal? I suppose with the qualification to the top table at GB, it does show that it is coming along. I think so, definitely. I think there's a lot more. I think it's becoming a bigger sport in the country because of how well we're doing. And I think more kids are more determined now. And I went over to Canada through uh, the Ontario Hockey Academy. And I know a lot of the young British kids are still doing that. And they're giving British guys the opportunity to do that. And it's showing the GB teams and being more and more successful. And even the homegrown kids, the people that stay in this country and develop, like look at Liam Kirk, for example. He's at the NHL Combine right now. And he's only ever played in this country, nowhere else. Which shows that the British... um, ice hockey is developing and it's coming through at a young age and even even at the older age too we're doing really well for the GB in the past four years we've gone every year with a medal it's interesting you said I've gone over the Ontario Hockey Academy and then I spoke the other week with Lewis Hook who you know who, who hasn't played outside of out of GB what did that Ontario Hockey Academy stuff over there what did it give you that you don't think you would have got over here uh, I think it gave me a foundation. Uh, I think it gave me a foundation to grow on, to improve. And I also think it gave me the right mindset of uh, how hard you have to work to be successful at hockey. It's not just something that is given to you. Like when I was over there, it was waking up at six o'clock in the morning, going to the gym, then going on the ice, doing a full day of school, then going back to the gym at night and then doing your homework. It, 
it was a discipline thing and because in my eyes you paid for it I wanted to get as much out of it as possible so I put in the work and I think that set me up for where I am today with the effort that I put in on uh, on the ice and off the ice I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from playing over in Canada. You mentioned Liam Kirk's name there as you say he's over at the NHL combine how big a deal is this? I think it's huge. I think it's one of the best things to happen to British ice hockey for a homegrown talent to go over to the NHL Combine and be there with some of the top players in the world and to have his name spread over there and get as much publicity as he is getting. It helps. It also helps the Elite League. It helps junior kids because they might become more focused on young kids in the UK uh, compared to, say, Sweden or Finland or Russia. He's, he's helping put Britain on the map for ice hockey. Yeah, like, likewise, you've got Ben O'Connor shipping off to play in, in the KHL. It seems that that development's really coming along. Yeah, it's huge. And Ben O'Connor shows that there's no there's no time to give up on your dream. He went over to Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. He came back, improved over the next four years, and he's gone back, and now he's going into the KHL. So it shows that you should never give up on what you strive for. And he's took Ben O'Connor so many years, but he's, he's done it. That that was his end goal, and he's there. And the, what he was saying was that more British players can do it, and I think that's true. I think you've just got to put in the work. Let's come back to your own career, Paul. You know, you're a stable part of that GB setup now. You've done very well over the last couple of years on back-to-back promotions. Before we before you look forward to a possibility of playing the likes of Canada, the United States, Russia, what was it like through that tournament to qualify? It was it's still hard to put into words, really. It was surreal. So you you look back at it, and I've watched the games over again, and you think, like, how how did we do that? But if you really pay attention to it, every single guy on that team worked the hardest off for each and every person. And we stuck to the systems that we were given, and we fought for it. And it was one of those things that the ball just kept on rolling, and it just happened. And... When we lost to Kazakhstan, we didn't let that get us down, and it, it, we just kept building up. Mm-hmm. And even to even now, thinking back at what what GB have accomplished over the past two years, it's something you can't really describe. Uh, it's it's just a feeling that it's just an unbelievable feeling that you you, you won't lose for the rest of your life. There's going to be a real battle to get into that GB side. Come the next was it April May? Uh, well, I suppose you've you've got the uh, the benefit of playing in front of one of the GB coaches week in week out in Adam Keith. But uh, how much of a driver is that to be in that squad to get over to that that, that tournament? It's a huge drive. Like this next season is a massive season for for me and probably every British guy. Every British guy is going to be out next season to prove themselves in front of the likes of Peter Russell, Adam Keith and people like that to say, I want to be in this team. I want to play against the best in the world. And that's one of the reasons why Belfast came up because I want to be coached by somebody that wants to teach me, to mould me and to play with players that are already on the GB side like uh, Colin Shields and stuff like that. They help you and things like that. And that that's, that's the main goal is have a good season this season and improve and then make the GB team and it's just one step at a time really Well last of all you know, it's a couple of months before we actually start back into the season how are you spending your summer months? Uh, I spend my summer months playing cricket at the weekends Fab 
currently working for my with my brother at the minute, helping out there and training really, nice and lazy, and then just trying to do as much in the in the summertime as I can, get out. And now we've still got some good weather to go out and explore, do some biking, and yeah, just just basically be out the house as much as possible. When we when we get on back on the ice, where you go Blackburn style? Where do you get back on the ice? I'm going on the ice this Friday with the rec team in Manchester. Uh-huh. So there's a, I'm still in contact with some of the guys from Manchester. Obviously, the equipment guy, he's inviting me to go down. And Dallas Earhart is still over here for the summer, so he's going on as well. So it'll be good fun. And then uh, start training properly in the next couple of weeks or so. Fab. Well, listen, welcome to Belfast, Paul, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much, Yes, Paul Swindlehurst is your new Belfast Giants on defence and another new British name to the squad. Obviously, we had Lewis Hook, who joined us earlier in, in the in the off-season. We have the return of Stephen Murphy, Mark Garside, um, Colin Shields. Uh, so a real strong British core development there. I'll go straight to you, the new man on the panel. Mr. Neil, your thoughts on Swindlehurst joining the side? Yeah, first of all, exciting. Uh, I mean... From a from a Giants perspective, it's awesome to see that Kiefer's uh, dedication to the GB squad has paid off not only on the ice, but in terms of the opportunity to work with you guys to establish these relationships. That's a big plus for us. You know, a lot of people worried that uh, it would maybe detract from his work in Belfast. I'm seeing it as the opposite the, with the landing of, of Sonny. That's fantastic. Um, no doubt a blow to Manchester. It's, it's fair to say. Like He's a hometown boy. He took pride in, in icing for his hometown. Um, and I, I mean, he, maybe not in points total, but he contributed massively to, to their surge in the table last season. So his loss is going to be felt in Old Aldi. But um, in terms of, of coming across the Irish Sea, he played, what, 56 games last year. And he played fairly injury-free, um, coming off a massive high with his GB success. So, I mean, you're talking a quality uh, defensive Brit, and, and he's going to eat up minutes for us. It's, um, those are getting harder to come by, so um, I couldn't be happier. Says it was quite apparent in in that interview as well when I brought up the fact that you know you've got Adam Keefe who's an assistant coach in GB that was a big factor for him joining the Giants. Yeah, absolutely, and you know we, we struggled last year with uh, so many British players down. Obviously, Garcia went out, Sheds went out for a bit, Murph was out. Um, you know, so it's always good to have the the, the British players of, of and again, you know, he's a big body like you know Joel's just touched on it there, Paddy, and uh, he lead up minutes and. I'm a Garside back with a, hopefully the glass shoulders left behind him. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a good start to, to build from the, uh, from the, from the British core. Um, and the big thing for me is the way he was talking in the interview that, you know, it's not going to be easy to get into the world championships next year and, and uh, the top division. Every single British player is going to want to be there. So all the British guys are going to be busting their balls this season or this season coming, sorry. Uh, to be there, so the, for me, that's it's a really good plus, and and obviously Adam's done his work when he's away, and um, obviously when when Lewis Hook was announced there a few weeks ago, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about him at some point during the show. You know, he he obviously unfortunately didn't make the GB squad to go out to Budapest. Uh, Paul Swindlehurst did, um, but obviously keep a stamp on the both of them um, while he's been out there in his first year as a assistant coach in, on Great Britain. Davey, this signing, so tell, I'm trying to look at the wider picture now and bring it in to the, to the squad as a whole and maybe have a chat around that. But where does, where does Swindlehurst fit into that? Mm, that's a good old question. Paddy Swinney's a funny one in that he probably has, I'm, I'm sure we'll bring more than one player in. He has the ability to go both ways. You know, he can, he can hold up a place in the back end there if he needs to chip in on, 
you know, on the wing, he can fit in there too. Simon has said, 6'4", 210, he's a big body. Criticism at times of him, you know, in seasons gone past that he, he doesn't perhaps play his size, you know. So uh, that's something I'm sure when you come and you get coached by Adam Keefe and, and you look at the team, the way we played and the way we built last season, you know, we had that physical blue-collar game going. So that's probably something that, that you know, Kiefer's going to drive to get out of him. And as Simon has made a very good point, every player that's got red, white and blue running through their veins this year is going to want to be going to the Worlds next year. French? Know, and, 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 and French, you know French exactly what there. I mean, my friend. Oh, Mar- and, the Americans uh, are there. That's what you mean, the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be playing against the Americans, you know, Team America. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, those players are going to be trying extra hard. Hook will want to get in that team. You know, he's played at every age level for... Um, for GB and he'll be no different. He'll be wanting to come in. So they're, they're showcasing themselves and, you know, what is the, the elite uh, conference, the piranha pool, as I heard someone call it there not so long ago. Um, and, uh, so Swinney's going to come in there. He'll obviously, I would imagine he'll start on D. Um, with obviously Vandy in there, Gar's going to work, work and, uh, a few others they announce, I'm sure yet. And, uh, It'll be interesting to see whether he lines up there in our sort of second or third rotation or whether he will chip in and that sort of, you know, with the 14 and now with a really good Brit core, we'll be looking to get as close to running those four lines as he can, especially in these conference, these inter-conference games. We found last season, you know, trying to go three lines against the likes of Cardiff, who just wore you down with going four lines for 25 minutes and three lines for another 15 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes of the game, they're, they're going their top two lines are still fully gassed, whereas we'd run three lines all night and we're... You know, there was times our last season we were certainly on our backsides come the last 10 minutes. So just numbers game we've built here. You know, don't know whether it'll be the last British players to be signed up or not. But, you know, it's, it's a, as a core, you need that in this league. Joe, come back to you. I just want to, like I said, we'll look at the, the, let's have a look at the signings as a whole. Regards to the Giants, as I said at the minute, obviously with the initial announcements of the likes of, of Murphy, uh, Garside, uh, Darcy Murphy, who announced himself, uh, Sheds, Jonner, <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Furland, and then we had Lewis who come in, Jim Vandermeer, and then the one that we heard just before, uh, Swindlehurst that we heard last week, we were chatting to uh, Tyler Beskarwani. Um, so far, your thoughts on any of those, or, or who, do, who really stands out? Yeah, I was flapping my gums on Twitter a, a few days ago there, just about how great uh, of a foundation has been in the off-season, uh, and Giants fans are, are kind of notoriously uh, antsy when it comes to getting a squad together, and, um, and, and it's, it's a, a kind of a reflection on, on their hunger to have a team to support and, and to go and challenge for the league again. But I think it's awesome so far. I, I couldn't be happier. That's why I said it's only June, but I'm, I find myself scrolling hockey Twitter more than often. Um, uh, give me give me our new tender's name again, old Bes- Besco. Beskarani. Beskarani? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Besco. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> his, his numbers in, in Dusseldorf and uh, Adele are unbelievable. Uh, I know, and I understand we're going back to 2014-15 here. But the guy played 42 games with a 2.53 goals against and a 0.920 save percentage. I mean, um, hold that against uh, Jackson last season in Belfast. He played two more games. Um, his goals against was 3.38 and his save percentage was 0.895. I mean, compare and contrast the quality of the leagues there, even despite the, the difference in time. Um, but I mean, if that's the form that he's capable of, if you give him a full stable season with a good organization, good coach, it's, it's a significant upgrade at the back. Um, and, and we've said about Swinney and Lewis Hook coming in. Honestly, uh, I'd sort of scribble something while you were talking there. I think this is the most excited I've been about our Brit pack in a long time. Um, I think it's maybe the league structure, the buying habits of teams, import limits, but it feels like there are generally less quality Brits coming up versus kind of 2010, 11, 
whenever we began to accumulate our kind of core Brit pack that won the league in, in 11 12. Um, the, the combination of the two are, are awesome. And um, the depth provided by the good Brits is, is the foundation for me of a team that's capable of winning championships. I mean, he's 21. And um, we're adding young excitement that's been kind of maybe lacking in, in prior seasons. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't be happier. I don't know if I'm making that clear enough. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, what would you say is best Gruani? Let's have a quick just chat about him. Is uh, you know, uh, went through some of the stats there, especially the, the fact how tight he was at, at DEL, DEL, uh, netminder of the season. Okay, you look at the, the, the stats that he had at Edinburgh, but I think you can put an asterisk against those, can't you? Because stats in Edinburgh in a in a, in a back end of the season that he himself said, you know, there was nothing really to play for, it was a it was low, low risk, low responsibility, and uh, but he, he he seems like the real deal, and it's the first starting important netminder that the Giants have had in, in quite a while. I think he's an absolutely brilliant signing. Um, he came in and played against us in February um, and got man of the match, which is very tough to get a man of the match on the road um, because I picked him. Um, <laughs> it's don't, the first don't kill, don't kill the magic, sis. Oh, no, just that, that <laughs> game I got to pick the man of the match um, and I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. They were down at one point. They were down to four D. Um, that they are pretty sure tracking off could hit that night, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure Tyler Blues left the ice after one period as well. Yep, um, hitting the face with a puck, I think. Um, and uh, you know he was he was outstanding. He's a big, big body. You know, Joel's just touched on some of the number numbers that he had. Did did he win the championship or win goalie of the year? And it was goalie goalie of the year in in uh, Dusseldorf. You know, and, and that's the DEL. And, and the big thing for me, Paddy, you touched on it when you did the interview with him. You know, he he wants to use Belfast as a stopgap. And if that's the case, then that, I'm happy enough for that. Absolutely no problem. Because if he gets that step up the DEL, then he's obviously doing a very good job in Belfast. So for me, it's a brilliant signing. Um, but for I, I just am overwhelmed. Sorry, not overwhelmed. I'm just, I'm, I think it's brilliant that we've managed to get John Furlan back. Yeah. I thought Furley was outstanding last year. I know he played the last 14 weeks injured. Um, that's the type of guy he is. He's a leader. Uh, he, you know, he's played at the highest level. He's such a nice guy, down to earth, and, and you know, he's a total team player. And for me, the, out of all the guys we've signed so far, I'm just really, really pleased to get John Fernand back. Davey, Best, yes. say, we've obviously we're focusing a little bit there on Besko Rani and some of the guys were, people on Twitter were pointing out the fact that he stated about that ambition as it says he wants to use it as a, as a, uh, as a springboard to get back into the DEL. Shows ambition, absolutely does. But some people saying, some people saying, well, what if he gets called up mid-season? Do we lose a top net matter? Does that not go for any player that's having a good season? It does, it does indeed. But then if this guy was a DEL, <laughs> this guy was a DEL player of the season only about what three four years ago. He's looking to get back up to that. He's made that public. If if the if they like said Dusseldorf where he's been or where else was he? He was in Nuremberg. If they go short in in goalies and they think well actually there's one that's in Europe is playing well and we could bring him in as a stopgap and they come with with money in the middle of December. What then? Two words for you, Paddy. Mark Finney. <laughs> Stephen Stephen Murphy. We've true, got to remember that we've we've probably got the best one-two punch there of any goaltender duo that's going to be in this league this season. Stephen Murphy coming back of a extended rest there, 
and you know, he'll testimonial season. He'll want to be doing good things as well this season. So, you know, make no mistake. It's a it's a it's a tandem here. Okay, Besco might take uh, the lion's share, the starch or whatever, just with the with being announced as the sort of import starting goaltender, whatever way you want to put it. Stephen Murphy will have something to say about that. And if we get a number, you know, this is going to be a, a great season goaltending wise for us. And if if the nuclear thing happens and, and Besco gets an offer mid season to go to Germany. It's going to be one of those things. We've got a very, very good goaltender in Belfast already. What about I mean, like that's sorry, on, sorry to cut no, in, Paddy, but no, like it, on two on two sides of things, you make compromises to land to land a signing of that caliber. You know, on one side of the coin, he has spent time away from the game for whatever personal reasons or whatever, and on the flip side, he may be so good that that he may get snapped up mid-season. But it doesn't change the caliber of the signing, and, and I guess we can't be too sort of uh, precious or, or, or too kind of rose tinted about. Uh, about the elite league, about our level of European hockey, if a signing like that comes along, you take him and you take the risks along with it. I just I don't see why how you could ever turn that down. Very good point. Dar- what would Darcy Murphy says he was a bit uh, excited to come back? Hi. <laughs> um, I think he maybe just have a little one or two too many sherbets and and uh, and you know what? They're great, great news. Well, I think we talked about him. Uh, actually, no, no thought there at all. We did talk about him um, after a few weeks back in uh, September, October time. He wasn't doing it, thinking, was he? Yeah, that's it. That, you know, is this guy going to be any good? And I remember saying to Taff, um, I said, what do you think of, of Darcy Murphy? And he says, this kid's got it. He says, hey, I'm telling you now, this kid has got it. And then within six weeks, he was he was absolutely outstanding. He was up for player of the month a couple of times. Um, you know, he scored 30, was it 30 goals last year you got, Davey? 26. 26, you know, not far off 30. Um, but uh, you go certainly... Ahead, man. Go ahead, stop, man. There. <laughs> oh, so I've, I thought that didn't I sound... I thought that it. didn't sound like... Did I, I was like, fuck me. Somebody... Here, Joel, watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more than 24 he got last year. Or 26, sorry. Maybe you can clarify that. Look, if Joel no, said no, he got 26 goals, he got 26 goals. Well, Joel... Joel's wrong in his first night. Joel, I have to give you a wee bit of advice here in your first night. Davey's the stat man about here. You work away, Joel. You work away. Prospect is wrong. No, I mean, you 26 goals and seven in the Challenge Cup. Ah, fair enough. 33 goals, 25 assists, good for 58 points. I'm the stat man. I'm the stat man. Back in, back in your box. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that dumb. Go ahead, go ahead, says you were saying. So, before it was so rudely interrupted, <laughs> I knew you had 30 goals. Um, and that's a brilliant return for, for a guy coming in to uh, play in Europe for the first year. And hopefully he can recreate that again next year and and, uh, and pick himself up another 26, sorry, 33 goals. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it was real quality. We, we did doubt him uh, earlier in the season, but I think he's or, uh, definitely made his eight hour words because all three of us had a bit of a go at him um, with the greatest respect back in uh, late September, early October. So a great sign again. And uh, glad he's back in a Belfast Giants uniform. And one more back to you before we move on. Davey, anybody else stand out for you? 
a bit like a bit like says, you know, fairly coming back, hitting machine. We're lucky, we, you know, we get to track a few different stats and you know that old hit one that we put up every week. Sam, you know, fairly, I think you know, fairly convincingly, certainly per game led the way there. And whenever the chips were down, fairly was that one guy that that was he was a leader in the team. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the letters are handed out this season. You know, fairly's got to be right up there with a shout of the of the big ones as well. And um. Like to see him back. Dustin Jonner, I'm glad to see Jonner coming back here. You know, he had a terrible season wrecked with injury and he was only able to show glimpses of the, of the talent that he, that he had. And, uh, you know, him getting a good training camp, coming in fit for training camp, getting that under his belt and, and going again. But like, uh, so far there isn't anyone there you want to put next again. You know, like Colin C. Many points at Sheds last season, Joel. Sixty-nine points for sixty-three games, you know. So um, another good season, a, a fantastic season from from Shades as well. So you know these guys are all coming in here off the backs of good season. Darcy Murphy as uh, Darcy Dangles as uh, Joel Estet call him there. You know he's coming in. These guys and Simon's right. We sort of we didn't give him a hard time. We said he definitely had a slow start, Simon. I don't think he, you know we're overly critical, but you know we did say that he was slow out of the blocks and. And so he was along with a few of his teammates and, and once they got going, my goodness, did he get into his stride and, uh, you know, that, that I think one of the, the, one of the best things I've seen this season was his mum presenting him the Mal and Matt's performance on, was it Mother's Day? It was, yeah. You what? know, she came to visit and that, that period where she was, uh, my goodness, Darcy was playing lights out every single game and, uh, you know, good to have him back and, uh, as I say, shouldn't every press release be done by Darcy Murphy? Absolutely. <laughs> sorry, for, sorry for the noise there. I, I spilt my... Um... Punk IPA, that's not good. Anyway, punk up. IPA. What? What's the uh, alcohol? Oh no, ask Joel what the alcohol percentage. <laughs> He's the numbers man. What's <laughs> that? Oh, me? You've really had a nerve there, haven't you? <laughs> wow! I'll tell you what. Welcome to the party. The uh, I love you too, Jimmy. I love yeah. you. <laughs> Listen, we mentioned earlier on about the um, the fact that you know, Paul Swindlehurst and Lewis Hook actually in his interview both highlighted the fact that. Um, that uh, Kiefer being a coach at Team GB was a, a, a factor. That the, the, the forthcoming uh, World Championships opportunity is a big one for them coming to Belfast and wanting to put themselves in that shop window. Let's cover that because, as you know, I was massively interested in what took place in Hungary earlier earlier uh, earlier this year in Division One Group A of the IIHF Ice Hockey World Championships. I know that Sis was a bit of a glory hunter and went out there for like two days just to see what's going on and pretend that he knew what was going on. But anyway, GB have qualified for the top table. They are will be part of the 2019 WIHF World Championships. They're in Group A, where they'll face Canada, United States, Finland, Germany, the host Slovakia, Denmark, and France. But to do that, they had to... Well, they, well, they topped the group. The group of... Well, it was GB, Italy, Kazakhstan, Hungary, Slovakia, and... Uh, oh, Slovenia, sorry, and Poland. In the competition, they opened with a 3-1 win over Slovenia before getting absolutely humped 6-1 by Kazakhstan. They recovered to beat Poland 5-3 and then beat Italy 4-3 before going into a deciding game against Hungary. And they were under the cosh but were able to fight back, uh, get a draw with a last-minute goal and win 3-2 in overtime. They only needed a point and that put them into the next round. Um, Davey, I'll start with you. How significant was this and what did you think of the tournament? It's pretty incredible. Um, you know, we're in a privileged position. We talked to some of the guys, and before they went out there, you know, you're saying realistically, you know, if you get a you get a win, it's going to be a really successful week. If you manage to, you know, 
get one more point or get you know better goal difference whatever than the team that finishes bottom it's been an incredible success and all of a sudden you win one and you win two and then my goodness you could do something you could actually you could stay up well here and then it's like well maybe you could be in the medals and then you're in the gold medal game anything can happen and you know murphy uh you know Murphy's Aaron Murphy's commentary and at the last there when the when they score the goal to pretty much take gold medals. It's one of those things that'll go down and you know in your memories of hockey for a long, long time and just looking at the the groups for next season. My goodness, you know, you to say that, you know, you played against the Patrick Keynes and the you know the Connor McDavid's and against Canada and America and, and some some of these other great uh, you know division one sides, it's gonna be a fantastic experience for everyone involved. It's it, it's kind of like back to what we're expecting at the start of the season. Can you get a win? Can you somehow scrape, you know, one point more than the bottom team? Can you somehow stay in the division? Can you then, you know, and then you, you keep building? But the positivity around GB ha, has been flying over the last couple of years. You know, medalists over, over a number of years in a row now. Belfast obviously getting the gold and then going and getting a, a most unlikely gold, it has to be said, this season. But it does throw up a number of massive complications because the vast, vast majority of the of the roster will be playing in the elite league, you know, bar Ben O'Connor's going to be away, there's still the question mark around Ben Bounds and you know, our season pretty much rigidly is going to finish the first week in April World Championships don't start to what mid-May mm-hmm. so you know, there's going to be a six week layoff or four week layoff where you know, Team GB are going to be scratching around there, they're going to be playing you know, more exhibition matches one would have thought during during the off season, but you know, it's coming at the end of what's already sort of labelled to be probably one of the longest elite league seasons in terms of games. So there's gonna be an awful lot of attrition and players are gonna be trying to get that get that charge back in their legs, but at the same time not try and get rust because of the gap between the end of the season. So it's it's gonna be a very, very different and difficult competition for them next year but my goodness they've earned their spot amongst the the world's elite and you know other countries are now going to step up and take notice just as i said already with ben o'connor going to the khl ben bounds would be very surprised if he hasn't got an offer under his nose before the end of the summer to to one of the european leagues and you know they've showcased themselves they've showcased the talents they have and I don't think they'll be the first people leaving the Elite League for, for better leagues. Fair point. Before we come to Mr. Kitchen, who, of course, was out in Hungary, Joel, I'll give you a stab at this. You know, a, a fantastic achievement, a, a, an unexpected one for GB to top the group with 11 points over, over Italy and the two of them to go up and to, to have what we have uh, next year, which is basically Davy Phillips versus Conor McDavid. <laughs> it, uh, that's exactly it it's, it's the unexpected element is the best thing for me um, to come into the tournament this year with so much momentum to leave it with so much more momentum and to be heading into the top division in the world still with that momentum but, but as the underdogs you couldn't be in a better position going into something like that and there's absolutely nothing expected of you you see it over and over again it's, it's a, a sports story as old as time itself you just never know what happens whenever underdogs come in with momentum like that's um, sometimes uh, a well a well gelled team will beat a team of superstars, uh, and that's another thing you've seen. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I, I unfortunately wasn't able to get out to the the GB games on like Superstar Kitchen over there when I for the selfies. But uh, I, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I think everyone's looking at the calendar now, going, "Can I? Should I?" Um, and, and that's like that's awesome for the league. I mean, we're in the we're in the shop window globally now. You know, guys are. Uh, maybe if you had uh, heard other things about our league or looking at uh, great British ice hockey, UK ice hockey, and seeing it in a new light, um, it, 
it's, it's just a fantastic, uh, fantastic PR piece, even above what the team have achieved. Well, let's come to you, Mister Kitchen. Obviously, you flew out there and you were there for the gold medal game. Uh, give us, give us what you recall and what your thoughts are. Can you recall much? I was actually, here, believe it or not, five days. I got well, well, was it five days? Stopped. I thought you were at glory hunting for like three. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, the uh, I got the. Um, I got my flight was delayed, so I missed the game against um, Kazakhstan on the Wednesday, I think it was, and then the Thursday, with day off, Friday we played Italy, um, and then Saturday was was uh, the big game against Hungary. And the, the atmosphere, I might mean, tell you, Paddy, you you always keep on talking about the DEL games and the atmosphere there and the way the the stand by at the certain areas of the arena they stand up and and uh, just never shut their traps, basically, and mm. a bit like Boomerang Corner. Um, but it was unbelievable. The atmosphere was just sensational. Um, the Hungarian fans were an absolute credit. Uh, the arena was beautiful. Everything, the way the whole IIHF put that together, the Hungarian organization, you know, I, I think that, I don't think they got as much recognition as they should have got, uh, because everything about it was brilliant. The, the fan zone was literally 150, 200 yards away from the front door of the arena. Um, the hotel was even closer. It was in between the fan zone and, and the arena. Um, everything about it was brilliant. And, and the way the guys played when they got out there, you could just, even the, the boys were staying in the same hotel as, uh, as what we were. And, and, uh, and, you know, just the, just the way they were very relaxed about the whole thing. I was talking to, to Kiefer and I was talking to, uh, Pete Russell when we were out there and everything was just so relaxed. You know, they just, I, I think it was a matter of expectations. They, you know, they came with the thought process of don't get relegated. You know, don't, we don't want to go back down to 1B again. Um, you know, let's get a win. Let's stay up. And that game on the Saturday night between Hungary, or sorry, yeah, Hungary and GB, I have absolutely no doubt that I actually put that together as the relegation game. I've absolutely no doubt whatsoever. They thought that those two teams are going to be, one of them was going to be battling to stay up. And obviously the Hungarian fans they were going to get a big crowd in that night to, to obviously put the pressure uh, on GB. That's not the way it turned out. Hungary got off to a great start. Um, you know, the uh, GB got back into it with a goal, and then obviously you know Robert Farmer scored in 15 seconds. The goal was it was just unbelievable, honestly. And it, it was it was probably really surreal because the guys couldn't celebrate. You know, on the bench they were giving the high fives, but. Even at the final whistle, they had to go to OT, and it wasn't good enough where they just could have, you know, everybody knew it was, it was it, five minutes of OT, and then the shootout was a dead rubber part of the game itself. They they made them play the five minutes, they and they delayed the whole thing even on top of that for the penalty shots by bringing two Zambonis out on the ice to, to smooth the ice again. And um, so doing all that side of things, then trying to make it all done right, Fantastic achievement, absolutely outstanding, and uh, I will be going to Slovakia next year. Yeah, as you say, I think it starts from it's mid, it's tenth to the twenty sixth of May next year. The two groups have already been decided: one in Bratislava, one in Kusis, I think is how you pronounce it. Oh. Uh, I'm not too sure. How is your Slovakian? Says I um, thought it was Kus- I thought it was Kusici. Kusici is it? Uh, 
Well, there you go. But as I said, the, the actual, as deemed the groups as they're decided, I think they're decided based on world rankings as well. So Group A, Canada, United States, what group to be in? Canada, United States, Finland, Germany, Slovakia, Denmark, France and GB. While in Group B, Russia, Sweden, Czech Republic, Switzerland, Norway, Latvia, Austria and Italy, who were second in that qualifying group. Quite unbelievable. And as we said, I'm uh, sure we'll talk about throughout the season when it comes, there'll be a lot of roster spots in that GB squad that a lot of people in the Elite League will be fighting for, not just amongst the the British players we know, but also, of course, there are some dual nationals that are have the option to play in, in those roster spots. Also, I, yep. I jump in there before course, you can. move on. Um, the kid that played for, uh, I think he played in Dundee for a bit, Treviso, yes. the Italian. Um, the Italians were in the fan zone up until 15 seconds to go in the game. They were all blocked. The guy, Treviso, arrived out with no shirt on. He put his suit <laughs> on with no shirt on. And he I was, saw that. I, I saw that. Every GB fan was laughing their bits off at him. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They, they were just sitting over in the fan zone watching the games on the big screens. It was four Massive big screens in the fan zone, two indoors and two outdoors, and um, and they were just basically sitting there watching the game, and they didn't realise that obviously until fifteen seconds ago, when Farmer scored that goal, and then they all had to get dressed and and get their suits back on to come onto the ice to to pick up their um, silver medals because they were obviously promoted. But uh, Treviso, Tommaso Treviso was absolutely brilliant. He was he was definitely a character of that tournament, and um, I don't know if you if you got that message coming across on the screens and. And um, at home after watching it with Murph and, and uh, Paul Haley, but he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, imagine that, you know, a, a localised group-based ice hockey tournament where all the fans and all go out into the fan zone and get absolutely wasted. Anyway, when is the, <laughs> when is the content of the cup if we heard? <laughs> no, no idea. No idea, no idea. Well, we look, we look, for, we look forward to that. Um, let's batter ahead because there's other things happening more dom- in domestic matters. Um, and we're going to start off by talking about the Edinburgh Capitals. Unfortunately, the Edinburgh Capitals will not be part of the Elite League this season. A bit of a, a bit of a debacle that took place. I know there was a, there was a, an agreement made with the Murrayfield Ice Rink and a, a franchise named the, after the old Murrayfield Racers, uh, headed up by Tony Hans' brother David. And they got the agreement to have ice time at Murrayfield this forthcoming season, taking that away from Scott Neal and the Edinburgh Capitals. As such, the, uh, the Murrayfield Racers applied to be part of the Elite League in the Capitals' place. However, on the 30th of April, the Elite Ice Hockey League confirmed that it had rejected the bid by Racers Leisure Limited to join the league, stating, after careful consideration of the proposal put to the Board of Directors, it has been decided following a vote taken that they will not participate in the league going forward. That leaves the Elite League with 11 teams for this forthcoming season, and we'll come to the, the structure that they had in a minute because the Elite League also put a, well, looked for a team to replace them. Another team that came in were the Hull Pirates. The Hull Pirates who have been playing in the NIHL. They were playing in the EPL when that was around. They're now in the NIHL and uh, they considered their options and decided to not take up the opportunity to take part in the Elite League this season, but have deferred it to maybe taking part in a fourth coming season um says i'll start with you on this 
11 team league, a bit of a debacle. The racers didn't get uh, accepted. They actually have, I think they also applied to be part of the NIHL and they've been rejected there as well. So I don't know where this leaves the Edinburgh Capitals, but there's most certainly, if you pardon the pun, out in the cold. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, we talk about this more or less every season about, you know, Edinburgh always looking a bit of a hand towards the end of a season. And I remember saying it, you know, probably 10, 12 weeks ago, uh, because of their position and obviously losing players rapidly. And, uh, and then they brought in, uh, Beskar Wally and, um, you know, they still sort of picked up injuries, picked up, uh, you know, lack of, of the points and came into Belfast and beat us. But, I, I, I thought it was time up for them. Um, it's disappointing to see them go. Uh, it, it, and it's not ideal to be playing 11, uh, team league. And again, I, I still don't get what the thought process was from the management of the, of the Murrayfield Ice Rink. You know, they've, they've taken away a team that's guaranteeing them, you know, I don't know what to pay for, for their, for their, some form of debt, debt. some form of income. Absolutely. 100%. You know, it, it's not just that, but it's the, it's the, you know, when you're there, you're, you're buying drink and you're buying food and, and sweets and what have you. Um, stories. It's that, that, yeah, stories as well, absolutely. And it's pretty good in Murrayfield. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're losing that income and I just don't get it. You're not going to get that from SNL teams. You're not going to get that from junior teams. Um, and they're not going to have a level of hockey in Edinburgh, which is, that's the most disappointing part, um, you know, of, of EIHL standards. But, you know, I, I do think that, that Scott Neal has taken that team as, as far as he could. Um, you know, when it came out at the start of last year, there was allegedly some Russian investment getting into it. That didn't look as if it worked yeah. out too well. Lost their coach, you know, coming up there, I think it was Christmas time and brought, uh, Mike Derazio in for, uh, as player coach. But it, it's, it's disappointing, but I'm not surprised about the whole outcome at all. Um, moving forward, 11 teams, three home, three away, 60 game season. It's, uh, I think they just need to do away with the, the conferences after that. If they get rid of the conferences and just the 11 game season, I think it'd be better off. We'll come back to that because I want to, I want to have that a little bit of a discussion. Sticking with, sticking with Edinburgh, Joel, um, from personal experience, I know that, you know, when, when a, when a bunch of fans lose their hockey team, when you look at when I was up in, in Newcastle, you've got a, Okay, maybe in Edinburgh, not a not a not a large number, but certainly a number of of hardcore hockey fans who turned out week in week out to follow a team that you know we're we're out of it by by mid November. You've got to give them praise for sticking by their club, and unfortunately now they may still have a franchise, but that franchise isn't playing anywhere. And and here's where I, I feel conflicted about this. I mean, first and foremost, I feel for Scott Neal. He's a hockey guy. He's poured his passion and put so much money, so much of his time away from family, whatever, into that club. Um, and, and so have the fans. I mean, uh, money into a franchise that, that unfortunately on ice very rarely give back. But those guys, I mean, for my money in the Elite League, they are the true hockey fans. I would like to see, um, and, and knock wood, God forbid, if, if the Giants would ever fall on any kind of hardship or any kind of decline, how many of the kind of four or 5,000 in the arena would stick on through the thick and the thin and, and pay the money that they do? Um, true hockey fans, as far as I'm concerned, even Cavs Panther Army is a true hockey fan, and that can go on the record. But I mean, conflicted because, and I'm sorry if this is if this goes against popular opinion, but I hated Murrayfield. I, I hate going <laughs> on roadies to Edinburgh. I never enjoyed it. I hate the barn. But, uh, I have a beer in the barn. I mean, Murrayfield, Murray, uh, uh, you're right. Edinburgh, I loved it. I always enjoyed the trip to Edinburgh, but you're absolutely and, right, and Murrayfield. 
that's the point. I mean, I, I want to see the league continue to grow and prosper the way it has been doing for the past five, six, seven years. Um, stable businesses with good facilities. And that doesn't mean becoming an arena team. I'm not sitting here with the, the kind of relative silver spoon. I'm saying everybody should be a 7,000 cap arena. Edinburgh as a hockey market has boundless potential, but unfortunately right now they're miles off they need a major investor they need a brand new building edinburgh's future in ice hockey can't be in murrayfield and that's where i'm conflicted i genuinely feel for the fans that lost something that they so passionately loved and stuck by through the worst of the worst but as says says i just think that the, their timeline has has run out uh, in terms of the caps and the situation at murrayfield and as Davey knows, you can't drink beers in the rink. Um, Davey, I, don't know, I don't know about that, Paddy. I'm Davey, nearly certain you and me did. Uh, I think we got away with it a bit. But, not, uh, allowed to, but, not allowed to. Not allowed to. Au contraire. Au contraire. be my witness. I sunk about five Carlsberg in that arena one night. Right, I, story. Yeah, I think that, this story's been on a view from the bridge a few times. Still about there. We'll, we'll, we'll put up a story. But uh, Davey, Edinburgh gone does leave the the league with eleven teams. The the league, the board meeting did bring forward the uh, the dictate that we're going to have a more uh, level league structure back to the normal sort of league structure we had before. Three games at home, three games away. The conferences will be retained. Uh, there'll be one three team conference, but they'll not. They don't serve any purpose other than like three mini tournaments. Um, your thoughts? We haven't actually heard what's going to happen with the Challenge Cup yet. Yeah, we're only speculating really, I suppose, at this stage. And Simon has said their 60-game Elite League season, if you speculate that perhaps the Challenge Cup group games will be allowed to be doubled up this season. Um, if not, you know, you'd be 10, 12 games to win the Challenge Cup. You're in the 70-plus, then you're in the, you know, you go to playoff finals and other, you know, half dozen games or five games and or four games as it would be. And, um, you know, you're in the 74 game plus season, 74, 75 game season before some of those British players are supposed to be asked to, although saying that, this, I guess the, the NHL starlets that'll go to the, uh, the world championships of playing an 82 game plus maybe the odd playoff game before they go off to the world championships. So, but it's not something that we would be regularly used to play in that, you also, know, that quantity of games. Add in our Continental depth. Cup, add in CHL. Yeah. Depth and, and, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what to do with the Challenge Cup. We, we, I have always held it in a bit of prestige. I was very delighted to win it last season. I would have loved it to be that old Challenge Cup trophy that the Northern Panthers racked instead of a new trophy nearly every season. But, um, you know, it's one of those things. I, I, I like the heritage of the sport. And, uh, you know, old trophies for me mean more than new trophies, especially when they're for the same competition that's been played for, for a number of years. But that's a, that's a digression. The, the, um, you know, the conference system is, is it's a bit pointless. You know, you're going to be in a three team conference. I think what have worked out the points or something, 16 points could win you, win you a trophy. It wins over the course of a season. It's going to bring you a trophy. It's not really good enough. And, uh, you know, if the, if the conference, if they're not tenable, don't have them. What's, I, I don't see the point in the conference this season, to be is quite it, honest with you, when, it, it, when it's, it's not actually going to be. Any get anything gainful out of it? Is it is it a is it a stubborn placeholder? The fact is that you know they've like we they've got the conferences they've done the conferences now this, they they they're the border what they must be pretty sure that there's going to be a twelfth team coming in so they're they'll stick with the conferences hoping that next year they'll be able to to shove Hull into one of them. 
Possibly. Just park it. Just park it for a season. Yeah, I don't see the point. If, if, if it's gonna if it's gonna be able to be able to come back next season and they can they can prove the business plan and they can prove the, the for the fans that the conference system is better than not having a conference system, then bring it back. But this year it doesn't make sense that you know a three team conference is almost as bad as you know the Gander Flyers league. <laughs> you know where there's there's like three teams in the league and they play each other a dozen times and. You know, it's just frustrating. We had this. Do you remember the, the playoffs? I don't know, Paddy. Must be ten years ago. You know, six team league. Are you having a laugh? And yeah. thank, thankfully, the league has grown arms and legs, and it's got up that twelve. Unfortunately, one team's dropped out. But you know, three teams, three games home, three games away. It's just much cleaner. You you play everybody the same amount of times. Well, for me, it's it's a much better way of winning a championship. Simon, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I think it's absolutely pointless. Um, you know, three home, three away. Forget about the conferences. Best team wins. That's it. Let's move on because um, we've got still a few things to talk about. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about something that caused a little bit of controversy when it came out. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Joel, because I believe he's a friend of yours, Mr. Jackson Whistle. Has decided that yeah. to, Mr. Jackson Whistle has decided to depart uh, from the Belfast Giants and has crossed the Irish Sea to South Yorkshire to join the Sheffield Steelers. Um, your thoughts, Mr. Neil? Uh, Jackson, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, before we sort of discuss this, uh, uh, before a, we rip into him, a former neighbour, he's a good. <laughs> as I as I kind of flex my fingers here, here let's go. No, he, he's, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a former neighbour. He lived beside me in his first season here. And, and there's no secret that, that the fans and, and at the corner adored him and Teal and, and Shard uh, kind of praised him as much support as vocally as they could behind him. So, I mean, there's nothing personal in any of these takes and opinions. It's just hockey. It's the way it goes. But um, Jackson, for me, can make absolutely highlight real saves. And, and they've been retweeted a million times. But his numbers, as we discussed earlier, his numbers are replaceable. Um, and that's more to the point that everything in the... Elite League is replaceable. Um, you know, at, at this level, there's nothing that you can't replace from somewhere else, some other league. Um, he had a bit of a tendency to melt down now and again. He would have had an off night. He would have been partial to a soft goal. Um, and the interesting thing with where he's gone from last season for me, um, there's a bit of a disparity between how he was on his head, lights out against the Steelers versus the rest of the league. And uh, because I'm not the stat guy, I don't have the numbers to reflect that, but he, uh, he seems to me like he played fantastically <laughs> against the Steelers, but the rest of the league just, it just didn't kind of show up. Um, I, I, I understand in hockey at this level, you've got to make your money. Um, I understand as well that you can have personal goals. He's a young guy, and by all accounts, you know, he maybe wants to progress into higher leagues in Europe. Um, but bottom line for me, you can't expect to come to Belfast as this kind of feel good homecoming sign in. Um, he's spent a year rehabbing on the payroll and, and then he's moved to a team that we've kind of shared a less than friendly relationship with and, and it has been framed by one person or another as kind of a move upwards you can't do that and not expect a hard time let's I would not, let's, let's not, let's not beat around the bush on that Joel it was Kevin Reed stated <laughs> that it was climbing the ladder was the term yeah that's it I mean he's per- perfectly entitled to make whatever moves that he wants to do but don't expect us to go, yeah, great stuff, on you go, bud. You know, it's sport. Sport is irrational and it's passionate and it's why we love it. Um, if you don't want to be here, it's no skin off my nose. I can tell. Um, it's, but... it's fine. Um, Sorry, what? <laughs> uh, essentially, I, I just I can't wait for his first, first visit back to the arena. I mean, he's going to come in with a point to prove. 
in a, against a, a team that, that we have had a less than friendly relationship with, we will no doubt be out to make a point on the ice and off the ice. Um, the Steelers' rivalry, and I'm using the R word, it's hot regardless of what anybody says. I mean, I'm passionate about it because I love this club, but I absolutely love it. Bring it on. I know that the actual term boils David Majemski's piss, so I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again, David. Climbing the ladder. <laughs> what was that about? First of all, Jackson was good. Us here on a view from the bridge at times came always always fronted up for interviews. Came in, did a bit of a show with us towards the end of last season. But I find it very hard to, to wish him anything. Successful in Sheffield. That's just how I feel. Jules, Jules already said it. It's a, it's a passionate sport. We're fans of a, of a team and of a city that we we'll love. As for Kevin Rain, if Kevin Rain believes climbing the ladder is moving to another team within this league, should it be the Sheffield Steelers, the Cardiff Devils, or anybody else? Kevin Rain's at the wrong club. Um, for me, uh, it's one of the things that really left a bad taste in my mouth around the whole thing. Um, being a contractor, you know, it's a, as I put a few tweets out, you know, if the Belfast Giants, you know, colours is just a uniform to you, if it's a work uniform, you're at the wrong club. It's more than a club. This club is more than a club. And, uh, well, it is to me anyway. You know, that's just yep. how I feel about it. And exactly. uh, if if somebody feels that they have a move within this league that is to a better club with a better chance of winning, I feel they're in the wrong colours and that they, I don't, I wouldn't want them representing me or my city. Jackson obviously joins Sheffield Steelers with his brother Brandon, who comes in from I think it's junior A level, which is a which is a bit of a jump. Obviously, with uh, with the likes of two players that we'll talk about in a second, and Liam Kirk and Cole Shudra, they came in in apprenticeships, and maybe Sheffield see this as another project a bit like that. However, coming back to you, says uh, on the Jackson whistle thing. We spoke about this, like this was going around playoffs, this was going around quite a bit that Jackson could be making this move to Sheffield and, and from the statements that are made it sounds like it was the deal was done before the end of the season. However, I will put forward that I could probably count on one hand the amount of players that have left Belfast within the league and actually done well. Well, I'll just go back and touch on your comment about uh you know, a lot of people talking about the deal being done at playoff weekend. Uh, I, I honestly think that Sheffield made the approach in February, if not earlier, and that is absolutely bang out of the order. It doesn't surprise me from that club. Absolutely not. Um, you know, there's like a gentleman's agreement, uh, if you can call it that, throughout the league that nobody approaches anybody, um, you know, during the season now. And and uh, unless they, they're, they're approached by the owner asking, are they interested in anybody? But Again, for, for Jackson, yeah, okay. You know, he helped us win a, a trophy this year. Beyond that, nice kid. Couldn't give a toss about him now. Um, he's moved across the dark side. Uh, that's the way it goes. And I hope we absolutely hammer him. And see if he's out of a job by October. So what? I don't care. If he doesn't want to be in Belfast and he's looking at taxi to the airport, he'll be <laughs> on the door. And the same goes for Kevin Rain. Davey's 100% right. What Kevin Rain said, and is, is Kevin Rain back next year? I have no idea. You see, if he is, I'm going to be getting him a royal ball when I see him in August. Because you don't say that against our club. It is not a step up. Moving to Sheffield from Belfast is definitely not a step up. 
I thought I, I agree. I think it was a I think it was a misjudged comment by Rainer. I think that you know, and the whole idea, like you said, Davy, about con- we're our contractors. That may be the case. I'm a contractor myself, for goodness' sake. Yeah. But you still, <laughs> you know, but it, that may be the case. But okay, there is no loyal. Let's say loyalty in sport, be it in football or be it in hockey, is a very rare thing. But comments yeah, like but that as, do but not. But as fans, that's yeah. what we want. We want. We want that. We want to believe. In the brand, we want to believe in the club. We want to believe that these guys are coming from North North America to represent us because we're not good enough to be out there. They exactly come right. and, and they exactly. put our badge of our city on their chest, and they go out and do things on the ice that we can't do. And we want to believe. We want to believe in the story and the and the fantasy of it that they're doing it for us. They're doing it for pine notes. Let's not be you know we're we're not naive enough to think. But that's not what you want to believe. And when players turn around and put it in black and white and say, you know what, if I got an extra five pounds, as we know there's people around this league have gone for contracts for an extra five or a week, you know, it, it just grates me. And um, Simon, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. speech, that, that speech there, mate, was just what I wanted to hear. I'm not even joking. While you were doing it, I was fist pumping with a highlighter in my hand and it has ex- exploded up my wall. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on a second. I'm sorry. You were what? And and what? I was silently celebrating Cesar's hot take. And a highlighter has exploded all over my room. Everything is pink, but it's okay. It's fine. Carry on. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm, not, I'm leaving that for people to take their own to. You were fist pumping and something exploded up your wall. A highlighter. Oh, sorry. Right, okay. Let's okay. Let's let let's uh, let, let let's let's move on from that. Thank you, Joel. Welcome to the show. Uh, you, you, you fit it in pretty nicely. But here, just just on just to go to, to go back on the what Simon was saying and the possibility of an approach in February time, late January, February, whatever numbers would you know? I'll, I'll let Joel run through the numbers, obviously, but you know, the numbers <laughs> that I have in front of me would sort of dictate that there was a massive. Well, there was a massive tail off, as we know, in January. Whenever we qualified for the Challenge Cup final, our, our season sort of that's when we nosedived. We really did, and you know, you're looking down Jackson's number here is at seven eighty sixes and eight tens and eight forties and eight hundreds. You know, these were his numbers. You know, the last five games, eight eighty, eight eighty, eight eighty, eight eighty, eight eighty. Those aren't going to win you playoffs. Those aren't going to win you championships, and. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, our 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 season took a bit of a nosedive around that time, and you know, you can add two and two together, and sometimes get five, but sometimes you get the right answer too. Well, it's funny because Paul Thompson did say that they were going. Obviously, this is when we started to put two to two and two together. I suppose at that time, but T- Paul Thompson did say that they were going to go down a different route in goaltending when they let go of Moose, and obviously, we're saying you know, that obviously was pointing towards a, a British starting netminder. Sheffield have had quite a few lights out netminders in their time. We're talking about, you know, going all the way back to O'Neill, Lehman, and then more recently the likes of Doyle and Moose. You know, the top, top goalies. Is Jackson Whistle that, Davy? Jackson Whistle. Sorry, Paddy, I mean the nice cube goes aside. You get, get crunching. Is, Jackson, is Jackson Whistle that, says? <laughs> no, go on, Davy. Oh, like, you know, oh. uh, you had Mr. Koss who came in and they called him Mr. 920. Yeah. means you've got to save 92 out of every 100 shots that you face. Jackson Whistle is under massive pressure at what is, you know, Bob Westerdale, Dave Simsnall are going to be in the paper every week writing about him. If Jackson Whistle isn't saving, you know, 93 out of every 100 shot face, he's going to be out of a job. Christmas he'll be down by the time Panthers, you know, title charges over. And, 
he'll be a way back on the plane to North America. And unfortunately for him, he's taken jump out of Frampan in the fire. If you think it's tough in Belfast, if you think you're under scrutiny and you think you've got a fan base that's up in your kitchen every day of the week, with your in Sheffield. Speaking of being up in your kitchen, they, they live they they live their life in the newspaper. Over here, you get shielded a bit. The club looks after you. Get an arm around you when things aren't going well. Yeah. Over there, you don't. Over there, you're see you, mate. I think that's the major point, isn't it? Says it's the fact that there are no second chances when it comes to Sheffield. They're absolutely ruthless, and the question is, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Paul Thompson with this decision as well. Like again, I pointed out in the first part of the uh, question. See if you don't want to play for our club. No, fifty-six minutes. Yeah, yeah. That is it. If you don't want to be here, see you later. There'll be a phone cab set at the door for you. To take you to the airport to put you in your bags. It's on your way. If he comes back again, if he if he holds his hands up and and comes back again, would you take him back? Let me tell you something. You're going to have to, especially if Kevin Rain comes down those lines that he does come back again, I am going to give him a fucking of his life. But if Jackson, I mean, again, when he was here, he's a good kid. Lovely fella. Um, as Davey's already pointed out, you know, he never never refused an interview. He came on the show one night, gave us his time, yeah. and he was excellent on that show. Um, but as I say, he's moved over. He's moved in his thought process upwards, and I hope we hammer the life. I hope everybody hammers the life out of him. <laughs> You know, basically at 0.7% uh, or save percentage. I hope he gets hammered every single night. I hate them. It's really give annoying. Me, give me Darcy Arthur Guinness dangles the king of stouts over anyone who wants to call themselves a contractor for my club. <laughs> I, do, I really hate it when when Sis sits on the fence. It really drives me up the wall. In the size of my ass, you should be a big fence that's going to be able to hold that. Just get into them. Okay, let's 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 stick with the idea of pound notes and 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 contractors and and the whatnot by talking about another Sheffield Steelers player, or is it a Sheffield Steelers player? Cole Shudra, who was part of the whole you know apprenticeship, brought it with Liam Kirk, a guy we'll talk about in a short while, but has signed a two-year deal with the Sheffield Steelers. However, he is now on loan to the Milton Keynes Lightning. Now, this throws up a lot of questions for me. Is this the right thing to do? I don't, I don't agree. I've put this on Twitter. I don't agree with loan systems in any sport. I don't like it in the Premier League. I don't like it in any sport because you're basically paying for a player in another club. If you, if you go back to the days of Lukaku when he played for, um, when he played for Everton well, with Chelsea fighting for the league, if, if Lukaku scored a goal against Manchester United for Everton to win the game and took three points, he wouldn't be having that game against Chelsea. So therefore you've got a player in another team. That you're paying for, and a, and a, and a, which is an advantage to you. When you come to limited roster sports, such as the elite league, you're opening a massive can of worms here. Cole Shudra is going into the Milton Keynes Lightning as a Sheffield Steelers player. Make no bones about it. If he, they must be paying part of his wage being in there, because otherwise it's not a loan deal. Why would he? Why would MK agree to that? if they had to pay 100% of his wage but not have a 100% contract with him. So therefore, Sheffield Steelers have a level of ownership of Cole Shudra and will be playing for the, for, for the Milton Keynes Lightning as a Sheffield Steelers player. We don't know the details as to whether he'll be able to play back against the Sheffield Steelers, but even if he is, there's a level of co- a conflict of interest there because he's a Sheffield Steelers player. 
Likewise, and I'm having a bit of a, a rant myself about this before I put it to you boys, but likewise, the door is now open. So why can't the, let's, let's talk about a team who have also have a lot of money in the Nottingham Panthers. Can they buy three Brits that they're, that are playing for who will end up being loaned out to say Fife or loaned out to say Brayhead as their sister club who will be able to play for Brayhead as Nottingham Panthers players on loan, but not be able to play back against, uh, against the Nottingham Panthers and therefore a hamstrung given the Panthers an easy run against one of their opposition it says it doesn't sit well with me. I've gathered that. Um, the uh, I, I don't really agree with myself, Paddy. I think it's, um, it's actually has it been mentioned that he's not allowed to play against his parent club? No, it hasn't been mentioned. But why? Even if he was able to play against his parents' club, is there not a conflict of interest there anyway? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is. I mean, we have not a thought process. There definitely is. But I mean, the, the likes of you go to go through the Premier League, Premier League in football. They loan players out all the time. Yes, they some of them end up in the same league as themselves, but the likelihood is they're not allowed to play against their parent club. Now, what happens if Milton Keynes hosts Sheffield and Cole Shudra is on a breakaway with 30 seconds to go and has a chance to basically score a goal for Milton Keynes against Sheffield for the game winner? What's he going to do? The professional and him should score the goal, but if he doesn't score the goal, then all these question marks start flying about. This is it, and that's the that's the point. That's that I don't really believe. But I, I'm all for developing um, players in the league. Um, absolutely, you know. Look at Edinburgh. You know, Edinburgh have developed more British players, as far as I'm concerned, than than anybody over the years. If it's, I think that's eight or nine this season alone, um, under 21, they played for the team, and you know, for this kid, Cole Shudra. Um, he got ice time this year for Sheffield Steelers uh, when they were up in games. And, and to be honest, he played against us, and I thought the kid did okay. Um, I think it, if he does go to, if he is going to Milton Keynes, and I, I think he'll get a lot more ice time there, or a chance a lot more ice time there than what he will at, at Sheffield. And I'm sure that's the thought process behind it. However, it just doesn't feel right. I, if he's going to be loaned out by Sheffield, in my opinion, it should be to a lower league in this country. So we should be going down to NIHL, uh, like the Swindon or Peterborough or Hull or, or whatever it may or, be. Or France or Italy or, you know, load them internationally if that's the case. Get development at a, at a decent level league somewhere else where they're going to pay 50% of the wage, but you're still on a two-year deal. Again, Paddy, like again, you, you definitely put more thought on this and I, I really don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's right. I'll give you that. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You know, Sheffield, I just don't like them. Fair enough. The development aspect, Joel, has been one that's been thrown about. The fact that, okay, part of it also doesn't sit right with me because it's quite disrespectful. It's been, they're basically saying we're, we're a better team. We're a, probably true as well, obviously, but so we're a better team. We're a higher team. We won't be able to give this guy the ice time that he probably needs to develop. Milton Keynes could do of him. He's a bit, he's a good enough player to be in one of their times. He'll get, he'll get more ice time there. Is development the real reason for this to take place or should he just have signed for Milton Keynes? No, I mean, it's, it's as you said that there, this one for me, um, I don't think needs, needs too much kind of, uh, discussion or too much analysis the long and the short of it is that we are in a small pond in the elite league um, there are muddied waters with ownership there are muddied waters within clubs we've been the the running of the league 
Um, you just can't do it at this scale. It just it just can't happen. Um, I, I, I think you, you said that it, it blurs the blurs the lines, muddies the waters. That's the long and the short of it for me. It just shouldn't be happening. Yeah, it's a funny one. But stick with that, and uh, we're going to stick with the Sheffield Steelers. Says I know that you're uh, you'll be delighted with that. But let's have a talk about one of their well, I suppose former players in Liam Kirk out at the NHL Combine. Um, doing pretty well. What an opportunity. I don't mind talking about this because as far as I'm concerned, he's an ex-Sheffield Steeler. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what this kid is doing, um, I've been keeping an eye on it on uh, social media and um, you know, looking at comments coming out of, of different outlets in, in uh, North America. He certainly looks like he's giving himself every chance. Um, I've seen him play this year uh, on numerous occasions and I, I think the kid's got it. Like, I really do think he's the best prospect that's come out of, of the UK potentially since Colin Shades come back that, that that far, you know, and yeah. I'm literally just sitting watching NHL TV here right now and uh, or NHL Network, whatever you call it. Um, and some of the, the, the things they've been doing at the Combine and um, and this notice that he was speaking to 10 different teams and um, and again, he's, he's giving himself the option. Uh, he's giving himself chances and, and I don't think you'll see him back in the UK anytime soon. No. Um, I do think he's got a real chance to do it and I wish him all the best and, a kid at that age, I mean, he's he's a big lad. I didn't realise he was so tall. He's six yeah. two. Um, he'll certainly need to put on a bit of weight and uh, you know muscle mass and, and what have you. And he's only eighteen years of age. And you know, looking through, you know, I, I was watching social media and the people saying about how well the, the Steelers have developed and blah blah blah. What a load of bollocks! You know, the, we've talked about it before about the elite league not being a development league. It's not. It's absolutely not. No, it's not. Yeah. You play with better players, you get better. That's that's a no-brainer. You look at the, the coaches that he's had down the years. I'm looking at his, his elite profile page here now. The, the Shimmers, Steelhawks, Spartans, Steel Dogs. Um, you Sheffield, know, Sheffield system, not the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, absolutely. And that's exactly the point I'm making. The people that have helped in his development, obviously, you know, his parents, the parents don't get, uh, hockey parents themselves don't get the praise that they should do. They've drove him all over the country. Dwellers participating for the the, the Sheffield uh, teams coming up through the age groups or whether it's going for England or the Midlands teams or whatever it may be, you know, they play a massive, massive part in this. But his coaches that he's had from the age of 9, 10, 11, up to 16, they're the ones who basically developed him. Getting to the big league, playing the EIHL, getting out there and, and, and playing, uh, you know, skating with uh, top, top players seven days a week. That's what makes you better. Absolutely. But it's, it's certainly not... The Sheffield Steers organization and made him um, put him into the player that he is today. He's done all that well before um, he played for, for the Sheffield Steers. But I wish him the best of luck. I hope he does it. I hope he gets drafted lowly. Um, I hope he gets um, you know taken out there. Sorry, I hope he gets drafted high. Um, I hope he gets uh, a chance to play in North America. And I hope he gets a chance to play in the NHL. I think it's an absolutely amazing story and, and wish the best of luck to him. Davey, there'd be a lot of people show, throwing things out about Liam Kirk over the last while. You look at Bob Westerdale ran a story the other day about how he was in talks with the Detroit Red Wings and the likes. I think there needs to be a little bit of temperance in this and people need to calm themselves down initially because when it comes to this NHL combine, this is a step on the ladder. You know, he could be drafted. He could be going straight in. He is an excellent player. He could be going straight into an NHL team. That's highly unlikely. It's more than likely he'll be put in an affiliate and he'll have to work his way up. 
Yeah, likely to go major junior. I think one yeah. one advantage that uh, Liam has, and I would echo what Simon says here. You know, we wish him the very best. Horrible club he's came from, but great <laughs> great opportunity for the fella. And I really hope he makes a, a real good fist of it and and does really well. Gets picked up in the draft and, and goes on the really good things. It can only be good for British hockey. And that's all what we all love, Patrick. At the end of the day, you know. So, um, um, you know. The the advantage he has is that he's been playing men's hockey already. Um, yeah. and now saying that, when you see some of the guys, the size of these NCAA guys that come in here in in November, you know we're we're talking about grown men, but essentially he's he's playing, you know, in in pro hockey where these guys have maybe been coming through juniors or college, and it's a different system, and it is a big big jump. And you're talking about Brandon Whistle coming over here. That's just a just an enormous jump from from where he's playing to, to, to even contemplate having a a start in the IHL. You know, I think Brandon will see very, very little ice time there in Sheffield this season. But, you know, more part of his elbow for taking the opportunity to come over as well. But uh, as for Liam Kirk, just to echo what everybody else has said there, you know, you can wish him nothing but success. And if he ends up in, in the wings, as we know, in the, the wings organisation, you know, you can disappear down the Grand Rapids there and you can go to Toledo and stuff and, and you never see the big team. You know, the over-ripened players in Detroit, it's been a, a criticism, I suppose, of Ken Holland's era. That you know, unless you're, you know, some players aren't getting into a look a bit more now that you know the the big days are, are are behind us for a while. You know, there's there's more young guys getting an opportunity, but certainly over the last ten years in Detroit, you got over ripened and, and likes at Grand Rapids and yeah, you know, and that, that that's a frustration. But for for Kirk, you know, he's going to end up certainly, I would think, going in one of the late rounds here and. He's going to have that on a CV forever, and congratulations to him. It's a little bit, Joel, of a of a purple patch for for GB hockey and GB players at the minute. You've got Kirk at the NHL Combine. You've got Team GB make it to the top table when it comes to the WHF World Championships, and now Ben O'Connor as well being in the KHL. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of referenced that earlier. It's it's that accumulation of things that has indirectly uh, benefited the elite league and, and the, the kind of perception internationally of UK hockey massively, and that's something that we'll all benefit from. You know, they're are guys who are maybe weighing up their options and, and looking towards us now and, and seeing it in a brand new light that they maybe didn't before. Um, it's just the, the, the accumulation of all of those factors is, is awesome for everybody. Um, I mean, just to take what you guys are saying, it, it's hard to, to pick apart Liam Kirk's progress. It's hard to wish him anything but the very best. Um, and the thing that has kind of sat with me, I guess, is, is what, what one of you said just a couple of minutes ago. Um, there's a tendency, uh, because it, it looks fantastic, you know, he's been invited to the combine, they're talking, about the NHL draft, they're talking about him speaking to major clubs. Um, it's probably a good idea to keep our uh, expectations on a level playing field. I mean, uh, the number of guys that are drafted into the system every year, they're not filling up spaces, you know, from the NHL to the AHL to the coast. Rosters are full, the free agency market's absolutely huge, but it's not like I mean, it may not be an automatic door to top tier success but the potential to go on and have a great career internationally and gain valuable experience in North America is awesome. And we can only hope that sooner or later, after he's had a, a great career, he comes back and plies his trade here. David, is the departure of Kirk and O'Connor a loss to the league, an opportunity for the league, or both? Oh. Because they're, they're two top talents within the elite leagues that are, that are obviously been picked up and, and are probably in Kirk's likelihood. And we're talking, about, and as you mentioned, maybe Bounds as well. It's a difficult, it's a, it's a two-edged sword, isn't it? You want that, uh, you want these GB players that have pers- performed so well at international level to get the opportunity in, in bigger leagues and, you know, league, leagues of a higher standard. And, and then 
on the flip side, lad, you say, well, if all these British players take off, who's who's going to take their place? You know, because at the at the same time, where the import level is where the import level is, you need a certain amount of Brits to make your roster up, especially as we try to push this league towards a four line league. And you know, if all of a sudden you lose, you know, if you're saying O'Connor's gone, you're saying Liam Kirk's gone this season, and potentially Ben Bounds, and and maybe another say. So there's four Brits, and is there four from the NIHL can step in and play the kind of ice time? Put up the kind of points, you know, Ben O'Connor was putting up, make the kind of saves, you know, um, Ben Bounds, or have the potential of a Liam Kirk, of a Shudra, or of any of these young guys coming through. I, I, I must admit, I don't really pay enough attention to the sort of underage British players that are coming through to say what is the next level, you know, is, is the same sort of golden generation that they have and they've proven themselves to be that golden generation now, two gold medals on the trot. And, you know, it was shouted about for a long time that this was the generation of real high talent British players and you know is the is there the next level coming up underneath them because really what should have happened with this great gold medal success is that translates down the ladder because young people but it's about getting publicity it's about getting young people involved in, in what is a very expensive sport and what is a sport that is still you know late night at the ice bowl 11 o'clock to get a bit of ice time because there, there's people skating around at seven o'clock with the the blue bombers on there you know it's difficult it's difficult to find the ice time for kids and until certainly belfast and it's so important that we get this second ice pad to build a, a younger generation of hockey players come through northern ireland as well agreed says just finally on, on this topic of the fact there's you know kirk of the nhl you know connor going to the khl gb at the top table it's not just an opportunity in regards to what's on ice and as davy said with regards to development Exposure-wise for the league and uh, the the hashtag best kept secret, you know this th- that aspect of it can't continue. Surely we must have been an opportunity now to make this sport much more popular within the UK. There hasn't been a better time in GB hockey in my time than to get out there and get yourself a major sponsor. There hasn't. Now where we are sitting right now um, for the league, um, the IHL. You know, they don't really work in tandem with Ice Hockey UK, which is obviously the guys that run TGB. Um, I know there's been, you know, disagreements. I know there's been challenges throughout the year. And obviously, you know, we talked earlier in the show about, um, you know, the, the guys that finished the league in mid, sorry, about the 10th of April, uh, the teams, the two, the two teams that go to the, the, uh, playoff final in Nottingham. Then they've got five and a half weeks or, possibly five weeks to get to the first game of the world championships. Now, if the IHL had any sense, they would knock two, three weeks off the season at the start and delay it. So they can basically give GB every chance to do better at the world championships. But the IHL bosses don't really care that they're, they're just thinking about their own brand. I totally understand that. Absolutely. 100% understand that. But now is the best time that they can get out there. But the exposure that Team GB have had, or have given, sorry, um, over the last <coughs> months, especially, you know, coming back from, from Budapest, you know, they were on BBC, they were on Sky Sports, they were on uh, the radio on BBC as well. And, and obviously all that exposure definitely helps. You, you have a product there that's, that's not getting regular exposure on TV, um, it's had the opportunity, you know, yes, we do webcast. They're all good and all great crack and, and I absolutely love it. But it should be given the chance now. You know, we, we've talked to a friend of the show and Aaron Murphy over the years and, and uh, you know, he does a great job for free sports and premier sports. 
But uh, now's the time to get in there and get yourself a TD deal. Now's the time to get in and get yourself a major sponsor uh, to, you know, for the league itself. There's not going to be a better time in the next 10 years to do this. There's not, you know, the likelihood is with all, you know, I, I wish GB all the best and luck in the world in trying to stay in, in that pool next season. But that's going to be the hardest thing that they've ever had to do. Um, and if they get knocked down, then they're going to have to work twice as hard to get back up again because teams are going to realise now that GB aren't a walkover. They're not just a shoe-in to be relegated from, from 1A to 1B anymore. So um, they, they need to get their finger out. They need to get a company uh, of, of people who know the brand and know what they're talking about to go out and hit major, major, major companies, major brands to come in and make the best opportunity that they can possibly do right now because if they don't, they're going to regret it. What's the likelihood? Uh, probably zero. Again, they're not. They they need to be working with Team GB here. They ne- I I don't know if they are. I, I really. I agree with you. I think the no, opportunity, I, I, the opportunity is there. The opportunity is as great as it's ever been. It's great as it's been since what was it the early nineties when they were last at that at this level or European or, or, or Olympic qualifiers as high a profile as it's ever been. And we're talking about a time when it was when ice hockey was on grandstand. We're talking about a time when ice hockey then went on to be on Sky Sports, and you know you'd have regular games when you were packing out the uh, the Nine X Arena with 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 okay maybe the the ISL wasn't as wasn't isn't a good example for that, but it's still ice hockey at a higher profile. I still get people today who when I talk about how I'm into hockey ask me about it, whether the Manchester Storm are still around and I say yes they are and they play in Altrincham you know they're, they're quite surprised at hockey okay maybe not as at the level that it was when they watched it then but they're surprised that that uh, a top level or a top league of hockey still exists in this area where I live right now you know uh, and credit to the Storm they have actually you know, they've been, you know, they do what they do and they get in the crowds they have but there are hockey as itself has been what it's the actual what's the word profile of it has been on the wane since the days that Sky basically let it let it go and the days the ISL basically imploded. We now have been building up and building up the domestic competition that is on the ice week in, week out is as good as it's ever been. Well, okay, as good as it's ever been in the Elite League era. We have some fantastic players there, which has now been proven with the likes of O'Connor going to the KHL, with the likes of Liam Kirk at the NHL combine, with the likes of Team GB going up against Canada, United States, Germany in 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 the next uh, World Championship. So now you have you have a decision to be made by the board of the Elite League, by the board of uh, Ice Hockey UK. Where does this sport go next? Where do we do? I mean, how, and how and how do we develop the profile? Because you've got an opportunity there to take it to the BBC, to take it to ITV, to take. I saw rugby on Channel Four the other night. You know what I mean? Channel Four looking for sport. Put it on free. Put it on free sports with Aaron Murphy. You know you've got the opportunity there of a of a channel that shows the NHL, it shows uh, KHL, it shows the Swedish Hockey League. There, there's a free-to-air channel that Neil Black has been screaming about. He wants it to be on free-to-air terrestrial. They had a nightmare. They had an absolute disaster with Front Runner. It didn't work. It was getting outshone by indoor league and and poker. You know that that wasn't the, that wasn't the actual platform for it on that channel. You have a channel there that's more or less dedicated to hockey during the hockey season. Put it on there and let's work from that. Surely. I mean, you're, you're talking about, actually, I think it was either you or that guy that used to support Sheffield, the baldy one from Birmingham. Don't know. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, I was one of the two years that, that were saying about British basketball and, and the, the, the exposure that they're getting. And with the greatest respect, I mean, I think it's the worst sport in the world. I've, I've zero interest. Um, you know, but 
hockey's my my sport, and and it just they don't get the exposure that they deserve. There's you know there's there's massive massive international companies coming into Northern Ireland, just Northern Ireland alone. And you know you're not including London. I'm not. I know we're they're talking about KHL hitting London in a couple of years. Um, you know we we managed to bring on that sponsor for uh, for the playoffs. I can't remember the name. What do you call him? Predictor bet. Aye, it turned out well. But you know you've got the companies like that coming on. I have no idea how much money to put into it. Um, you know from a perspective of of Phonacab, and I'm not throwing the name in there just to get the exposure because you know we sponsor quite a lot anyway. But I know what we spend on sponsorships with Belfast Chance, with local Irish League football teams, with the Ulster rugby team. Um, and I know what, you know, what sort of money it takes to, to go out and get the exposure, um, on those brands, on those different teams. Uh, the amount of money that we spend is pittance compared to, you know, some of the multinational companies that are available on the mainland over in England, London, massive, massive businesses that sponsor all these different Premier League clubs and, and you know the 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 rugby league. There's all these different sports available to to uh, invest in, but they they I've already said they're not going to have a better time than right now. Now's the time to get out to get somebody who knows what they're doing involved in it. You know if it needs to go out there and and cost them fifty or sixty grand to look for somebody to even pay them on a commission basis because it, it's vital that they get a multinational brand. They invest in this sport right now. Vital. Because if they don't, it's going to be knocked back 10 years. Yep. Uh, I brought this up before. I just with the fact that there's a, there's a uh, weekend or a game here in Manchester in a couple of weeks at the, uh, at the, uh, Manchester Arena that will be live on Sky Sports and by all accounts it's nearly sold out. Netball. Netball. Netball will be live on Sky Sports. The Manchester Arena is nearly sold out. It's the Wasps, uh, it's the Wasps against the, uh, the Manchester Thunder. And, uh, apparently it's, it's going great guns and that'll be live on Sky. So you can just, see- just, just to look at like the, the, the English netball team doing really well at the Commonwealth Games, you know, yes. they're building someone with a bit of insight is building off the back of success. Now, if success isn't back to back gold medals and playing in the highest level possible in hockey terms, you're playing against Canada, uh, you know, Team USA. You're playing against, you know, Sweden on the other side of the draw, the Russians, all the top, top teams in the world. We now sit in that bracket along with them, the top 10 teams in the world. If someone isn't taking that bull by the horns and saying, this is our opportunity. See, instead of Simsy coming on, going, it's the best bloody kept secret again next season, don't make it a secret anymore. Somebody has to have the foresight to work with IHUK, to work with the EIHL, come together and make this a sport that we can sell on TV because it's there. Iron Murphy will sell it for you. You're, you're talking about that netball thing um, that's happening in, in Manchester, Paddy. And the reason that you're talking about I've seen it in the paper the other day. Um, it's sponsored by Vitality. They've yep. got a national They do. And, you know, Vitality sponsored the Vitality Stadium down in Bournemouth. Get in contact with them. What's the worst that you can get if you go in and ask a company for money? What's the worst that can happen? They can say no. That's it. Yep. That's the worst deal you're going to get. If you don't ask, you're never going to find out. And you need to get in there right now. Somebody needs to get their finger out and get down there. And, and Whether it's led by Tony Smith or whether it's led by Neil Black, whoever it is, forget about your brand as in the Nottingham Panthers and the Sheffield Steelers. Get out there and do it for the league because that's the most important thing. And with not having uh, a person in position 
who, without an interest in any of the other clubs, without them not pushing the league forward, that's where we're down. Because Sheffield will be interested in getting for Sheffield. Neil Black will be interested in getting for them, for Panthers. Same as Col- or Todd at Cardiff, Steve at Belfast Giants. That's what they're interested in. They're interested in national the uh, national projects and what have you. It's about getting the, the finger out of getting a, an, an amount of money available for a professional to come in who knows what he's doing or she's doing and going out there and getting these brands to invest in this sport. I'll give the uh, the final word on this topic to you, Mr. Neil. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've kind of sat back and just listened here. Uh, I mean, the, the the old masters are putting on a, a clinic here. Like, there's really nothing more to add there. It's it's it, that's the long and the short of it. If you don't ask, the answers always no. The one thing that that the United Kingdom's ice hockey scene needs is it's that old business cliche. It's a joined up approach. They all need to work together to further the common good. Um, and my only other question would be, Simon, do you know a good commercial director of any <laughs> All depends what money's available, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really not more Listen, players are after the money. If they're after the money, then the commercial directors are after it too. And if the money is made available, then, you know, I'm sure somebody will pop up. We never saw that commercial director appear, despite the fact that they put it out there. But I guess that was the that was the crux of it. Right, one more thing to do. Davey, I'm going to put this to you. Laura Small, what, a, what an achievement. Ah, Smallsy. We talk about are we wax lyrical? Is it too early to start dinging? Um, you know, about the work that Smallsy does around our own club with, with the kids that she's looked after over the years. Brings them on kids that are a bit more unfortunate than perhaps others. And, but, <coughs> but with, with their attitude and with their, you know, the way they get on, they bring light into all our lives. And Smallsy coordinates all that and she gets really involved. And, you know, as Simon said, she, she's not too proud of those ears of hers, and she liked to keep them covered with that big long hair. And the, the, watching the video that Neil done there of her shaving it off and being able to donate that hair to another little princess, you know, Laura's our princess, but to be able to deliver that to her to another princess and raise an absolute shit. The stat man will tell us exactly how many pounds and pence she raised, no doubt, but, you know, um, you know, 12,600 12, pounds. Is that the, any pence or anything? Are you okay with that? Just... Uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I think it was rounded up, you know. Okay, right. And, um, you know, but, but we love Smallsy and she'll be doing something else this season. She'll have uh, new kids coming along every month when we, we hand out that player of the month trophy. Smallsy has somebody new to, to, you know, deliver right on the ice force. And she's a credit to the organization. She's a credit to, you know, the small family and she, you know, that, that name Gillespie will always ring around our arena when Laura Small has anything to do with this club. I'll throw it up to the other two gents. Anything to add on that? I really, go ahead, Seth. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Really nothing more that can be said. I mean, it's, it's something that I see time and time again, sort of, uh, maybe I'm, I'm around the, the arena in terms of being in the stands more than yourselves, uh, kind of with the geographical and, and, and club commitments on the night. And whenever I bring friends along who are maybe not hockey fans, um, they are drawn in by obviously the spectacle of the sport. But the thing that has made friends of mine come back is how evident and how obvious the community is and, and how, and, and I'm not going to use the, the hashtag hockey family uh, line. Uh, it's, it's kind of a play like cliche, but it's, it's happening week in and week out. There are things that you see, like the spectacular work that Laura does right down to things that you'll never even know. Um, it's, it's one of the most special things about, uh, about our club, about, uh, other teams in the league. I, I think especially our club, but I guess I, I would be biased. Um, and it's, it's very fundamental, uh, and as to why people fall in love with this club and dedicate so much time and so much effort to it. Um, I, I just, I can't speak, uh, any highly, more highly of, of Smallsy. And I mean, it's, it's all been said. Simon? 
I seen her today. She was coming out of the arena, um, and uh, hers looking really well. She won't say so, but I think it's looking really well. Um, but look again, she's just top top notch. Um, you know she, the way uh, she does everything for everybody else. She doesn't think about herself very often. Um, she gives so much time to everybody else. Um, and to be honest, once she hears our comments about her, I'm telling you now, she's going to be guarding her lumps out. Like, she's a big drip that way. Um, <laughs> but oh, she really is. She absolutely is. I mean, I was talking to her for half an hour on the phone earlier on, and she asked me, was it going to watch Love Island? And I said, I'd rather wash my balls with a brick. But um, it's just, uh, you know, she's like, I couldn't speak highly enough about her. She's just absolutely top, top, top notch. Uh, I can't add anything more to what you all said. She's absolutely fab, and the work that she does is second to none. And the, the, the joy that everybody gets from from what she does, and the, and the charity work that she does, and and the, the look on these kids' faces, and uh, it's just awesome. And uh, one thing I will actually say, I want to add is um, to to one of these young young gentlemen, uh, Mister Ethan McLean. If he is listening, I just want to make sure, lad, that you are looking after that trophy. You know what I mean? I hope it's polished well. I hope you're looking after it because we'll, we'll, we'll need it. I know you're going to work hard to try to retain it, but we'll need it back come September. <laughs> and on that point, I think we're going to wrap up the show. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Gentlemen, um, Joel, thanks for joining us. Yeah, really much appreciated, boys. Um, it's, it's not easy. You guys make it look like a dawdle, but um, it's, it's fantastic to have a chance. So thank you. Well, I'm, th- I'm glad you put in the statistical work for coming on the show. So thank you very much. Well, at, least somebody has, at least somebody has. Mr. Kitchen. Uh, well, any any big plans going forward over the summer? Um, as I said, oh, Portugal in August. Portugal in uh, August, that's what it was. I'm, I've got not much else. I'm disappointed in Big Vegas this year, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll look forward to August. That's the, the main thing with wee jazz. And, and um, she's, apparently she's got something planned this weekend as well. So I sort of just do what I'm told. And she, you know, she tags along with me when I've got hockey games throughout the, the winter and heading into early spring. So, um you know, that's it's whatever Jazz wants to do during the summer. She usually gets her own way, you know. <laughs> and rightly so. And Mr. McGempsey, how's your next few weeks uh, gearing up? Uh, enjoying the Bristol sunshine? Enjoying the Bristol sunshine, mate. Just starting to put a couple of miles into the legs now, you know, because I've obviously got the second and twelfth coming up, so I just have to be ready and ready well, to go it. with those. And it may, uh, it, may, it, may, it may be the month of June, but it's it's certainly March for you. It's March, 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 <laughs> all the way, and mate, yes. I'd like to, you know, but I would like to, in all serious, I'd like to. Uh, brilliant having Joel on and refreshing to have a, a another view and obviously save me pulling out any stats tonight. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> You're welcome. Look, it's all part of the service, boys. What can I say? I am great. Sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying, great to have him on board. He's a good lad. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And, you know, we, we, uh, we rattled our way through as many topics as we could. Uh, there's still a hell of a lot to, to go through, but I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll convene once or twice again before the season starts. So thanks to everybody uh, for listening in. Good luck to Paul Swindlehurst. We look forward to seeing him as the season starts. Thanks to the Belfast Giants for uh, allowing us to, to get on with that. And wherever you are over the summer, we're hoping you're enjoying yourselves. And uh, we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.